Hi everybody, this is Ben and this is Ben's Week in Medical School, sharing knowledge about the human body and glimpses into life in medical school. This podcast is for your entertainment and education. I do my best to present accurate information, but this podcast is not professional medical advice. And this podcast is also a personal project and does not represent the views of my medical school or any organizations I'm affiliated with. So this is episode 16 of the podcast, and I'm just closing out week 19 of medical school. We have our big end of block test coming up on Friday, so I have a few more days to study and not too much new material to learn before that. And then there's a two-week break for the winter holidays. I'm really looking forward to that break. I won't have anything that I have hanging over me to do, except maybe just trying to make some personal progress on a few projects. So it should be pretty relaxing, even though there are way fewer things to actually do during a Christmas holiday in during COVID. I want to give a shout out first to the lecture of the week for me. Um, we had our forensic pathologist give a lecture on inflammation. And so people know that forensic pathologists, they get called when somebody dies and they by accident usually and or on purpose, uh, but not a natural death. And they get called to try to determine what happened uh, and then make a cause of death or uh, determine the cause of death. And so their perspective is, is pretty unique and they have a lot of interesting stories and all of their patients are already dead. Our forensic pathologists have had some of the standout lectures so far for me. Um, they really bring it when they lecture. Um, we had a lecture about inflammation and I was kind of expecting it to be boring, um, but it was not. So we ended up following a real case that our forensic pathologist worked, starting from the scene of an accident at home, someone who cut themselves really badly uh, at home on some glass. We simultaneously went through the molecular and biological changes that were happening in their body in parallel with discussing the real stuff that was happening at the scene, like, you know, the emergency medical services were compressing the, the wound. It was on the leg and applying a tourniquet and starting an IV, taking vital signs um, and giving oxygen and things like that. I should also mention that the forensic pathologists love pictures. And so there were photographs of the floor where the accident happened, a real floor with carpet and blood and footprints. Um, so this person had bled a lot at the scene. The scene got more gripping at the hospital and the patient had surgery to reconnect all the blood vessels in their leg and stop the bleeding. And, and there was a problem and a rare condition occurred related to inflammation. The inflammation is basically the body's way of, of swelling up an area and bringing helpful repair and control cells to the damaged part of the patient's body. Um, this inflammation didn't shut off properly once the surgery had finished. So normally, the inflammation has to ramp down afterward. Instead, for this patient, the process of inflammation just was pegged at the red line. More swelling, blood vessels expanding, which means that your blood pressure is dropping. And they had a very rare condition. Um, the patient's blood was actually clotting out of control. And the ironic part about that is that the blood use up all of the clotting chemicals in the blood. 
So on one hand, you have tiny blood clots appearing all over the place. Then on the other hand, you have like uncontrolled bleeding because all of the clotting has been used up. So you can get huge bruises happening just from light touches on your skin. And the patient's blood pressure couldn't stay up because all of the blood vessels were expanded and were kind of leaking blood. This patient actually died in the intensive care unit after a pretty successful surgery due to this rare inflammation condition. So we followed all this at a molecular biology level, watching all the different cells do their job in the inflammation in the inflammation story, but then also at the level of this forensic pathologist whose job was to actually go and talk with the family about the cause of death. The pathologist's job was to look for any other possible causes for what had occurred, drugs or medication, underlying diseases. In this case, there were none that could explain it. It was just a very rare occurrence. And as our forensic pathologist said, 99 out of 100 people would not have died after having the successful surgery to stop the bleeding. It's just very unlucky. So this was an intense lecture, and that's why I thought it was the lecture of the week. It had a combination of intense science, but then also that emotional, personal side of medicine. And that always serves to remind me of why I'm so excited about the career. So that's a really good thing. There was another pretty emotional event this week. Um, I was participating in a panel on gun violence in the Kalamazoo area. And the people participating in the panel were local community leaders, um, ex-law enforcement officers, and a trauma surgeon from that works in Kalamazoo who all had their perspectives on gun violence in Kalamazoo area. And it was just a really candid and heartfelt talk. And it was aimed for um, each other on the panel, but then also for medical students to learn about how they could get involved and, and what people in the community were thinking about and doing to try to reduce the amount of gun violence. I got a few questions about the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. And so I wanted to address those in this podcast. The first question is if the Pfizer vaccine has to be stored at negative 90 degrees Fahrenheit, what is it like to get something like that injected into your arm? And that is a really interesting question. So I looked into how this works. The vaccine has to be kept super cold because it's just a bunch of mRNA inside little oil bubbles that can get injected and then will find their way into your cells. It's not a full virus. It doesn't have really much protection. So if it's at normal refrigerator temperatures, even if it's frozen, that doesn't mean that everything has just completely stopped just because water is frozen. There'll still be, it'll still degrade. So it needs to be stored and transported at negative 90 degrees Fahrenheit. But once it's arrived at its destination, it can actually be warmed to refrigerator temperatures uh, for five, up to five days before it's administered. So you're going to be getting a vaccine that gets warmed up to, I don't know, can of soda pop temperature. And then probably right before injection, it can be brought up to body temperature and then injected into your shoulder muscle. So you don't have to get an icy cold vaccine. Another question was, if you get the vaccine, is it still possible that you can get COVID and become an asymptomatic 
carrier and then still be spreading COVID to other people. In the Pfizer paper, they weren't checking all of 36, 35,000 people for COVID all the time. The only time it was reported as a case of COVID was if you had symptoms and then went and got a test. So it's possible that some people who got the vaccine became asymptomatic carriers. The good news is that many fewer people that got the vaccine got any symptoms and got COVID, COVID confirmation than people who got the placebo. So we know it's effective, and they also have data showing that it seems pretty safe so far. The safety study is supposed to extend for two years, but they've only been able to complete two months of follow-up after people got their doses of the vaccine. So that's going to unfold later, but so far, it seems like when you get this shot in your shoulder, you're going to have a sore shoulder, mild to moderate soreness, and then a lot of people were getting some other symptoms as well, um, mild to moderate headache or fatigue, or uh, very few people got fever and some muscle aches. And these are kind of common things that people look for when you're testing a vaccine. And there were no adverse events that, that took somebody to the hospital. And most people's, most people's adverse events were in that mild to moderate range where it's not necessarily stopping you from uh, going about your daily business, it, but it is maybe uncomfortable. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. Thanks for the questions. I appreciated them, and it was fun to get to look into some of the answers for you. So if you have a question that you'd like to ask, please feel free to email me at b-r-o-o-t at fastmail.com, and then maybe I can talk about it on a future episode. Thanks to David Funkhauser for our intro and outro music, and thanks for listening. Have a great week.